What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. We're inside Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going excellent. Thursday evening, indoors, staring at you. Pretty wild. I think first time since, like, February 2020. Yeah, this this is very fair, uh, especially after what, what we were dealing with last week guy doing his lawn like we had he had a blower going at like 8 30 at night yeah somebody was like popping off either pistols or 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 something or uh, i don't know what was going on there's something in the distance that was just sounded vaguely like gunshots it was it was annoying it was probably gunshots uh we had dodge chargers just revving for no reason you name it we got it just, so uh, here's a sidebar people who drive dodges not great drivers well, this is interesting because... And this guy wasn't even driving, but he's probably not a great driver either. I've, you know, street racing in Atlanta has become an issue over the past year or two, more so than it used to be. And I actually spoke with one yesterday at work. This guy came in trying to update his license plate in the parking system. And he said, he was like, yeah, my daughter got in a wreck the other day. And then, like, a tree fell on his other car. So I was just, like, making small talk. I was like, man, you guys have really had a rough go of it with the cars. And then I just said the word cars. And he super nice guy. Like, I like this guy a lot. He's been friendly to me in the past. And he just starts going off about, like, just how much he loves cars and, like, does street racing. And, like, he says he'll get to an intersection and, like, just stare at somebody with a nice car I mean, it's, it's like the classic thing you see out of the movies where it's like you got Paul Walker sitting at a stoplight next to Vin Diesel and like they just stare at each other and then like start revving the engines and that's it. So, but he says he does that on the like 85 and Jesus. he told me he was going 198, 198 miles an what hour. What car does he have to go 198? So, <laughs> Maserati or something? Well, I, I mean, he, he, he does like all this crazy work on cars. But he like he even admitted like it's not worth it. The first reason he said was because it messes the car up so much to go that. Yeah, you're fast. pushing it to the max. A lot yeah. of cars can't do that. Right. So like <laughs> he has to do all this work on it afterwards. Jesus. But it, not only was he going 198 on 85, he had his daughter in the car with him. So, yeah, really bad. Yeah. And I was like, it, it felt like he, it was kind of like a a therapy session, like we've done here on the podcast with you many yeah, times because yeah. he was admitting all of his flaws to me. Yeah, right. And I didn't want to like, you know, just like shit on him. Yeah. And be like, you're an asshole. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. You Cause he, he already yeah. realized that he said he had like a big heart to heart with his wife. Yeah. And she, how was, is this guy? Uh, he's probably 35 to 40. Interesting. Somewhere in there. Okay. Maybe a little older. Cause he said one of his daughters is 18. So I think it was like a younger daughter. Okay. That was in the car with him yeah. on 85. And he said, it, but it's just like a psychological thing. He just like sees someone and can't help it. It was good to see into the mind of a street racer for once and realize, you know, there could be some psychological stuff going on there as well. And he said he's getting a minivan. You can't really race in street racing that thing. And you know what? No one's ever come up to me when my Toyota Camry did work from 1998 and be like, let's fucking race, bro. No, they, they come so up. I don't know that feeling. Right. No, I can't they, I can't relate. They just assume that you're listening to AM radio. Sure, which I probably was. Is that thing? Probably oh, listen to 680 the fan. Or Bob Dylan on a cassette. Which, yes. 
yeah. probably was. <laughs> <laughs> they got you pegged, man. Yeah. Either way. Um, yeah, I don't know how we got there, but it's a good little way to start the show. Yeah. Some Atlanta street racing. Right. Technically, Atlanta professional sports. Sure. And I don't really... Like, for me, if you street race in a place where it's just you and the racer and everything's desolate... Or, or you and the racer. You are a racer, but you and another racer and just drag racing down an empty road... And you're not going to, you know, the only people you can hurt is each other or yourself or yourselves, I should say. So be it. You know, that's, I don't give a shit. It's America. Right. But to do that on 85, especially, or any busy street is a, ridiculous. It's just so unsafe. It only takes one wrong move, not even by you. I mean, by doing that, you are making the wrong move. But someone else, you know, you run a red light, someone's got a green light, you T-bone them, kill their asses, or kill yourself, or kill everybody. Right. You know, it's just... Or um, it's yeah, crazy. going yeah going that fast on eighty five is just someone switches lanes like I don't know five hundred yards in front of you. Yeah, you're gonna be on their ass in a second, especially yeah. if you're in some. If you're going one ninety eight, you are in some badass rigged up sports car. Yeah, so, so if some if some poor bastard in front of you is driving a ninety eight Toyota Corolla, listening to six eighty the fan <laughs> on AM, going forty five miles an hour on the interstate, and you make a lanes change because you got to get around someone who's on the side of the road, you're screwed. Yeah, it's all over now. Yeah, baby blue. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. That's a hell of a thing. Yeah. It kind of sounds a little like how the Braves were playing in their first series, Adam, against the Phillies, except the Braves were in the Toyota Corolla or Camry, and the Phillies were in the Maserati. Indeed. Braves got swept at him. Did we? Yeah. I didn't know. Didn't look good. But we've been down this road before with this team. We've been down the road before with... Also, this iteration of the team, right? I mean, it was two years ago when we got swept by the Phillies and everyone was like, oh my God, it was the year they got Bryce Harper and blah, 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 blah. We all know how that turned out. Phillies sucked. We won the division. And I still hold that mindset. Like, I don't think the Phillies necessarily suck. There's still 158 games to play for the Braves or whatever the hell it is. 156. Who gives a shit? There's still, you know, well over 150 games. Yeah, it's April 8th. Yeah. I was not worried after watching any of those games. Sure, you get frustrated as a fan, and especially when the offense isn't producing, when you know guys are capable. Guys like Ozzy, you know, Ozzy finally woke up yesterday and during the doubleheader, but he has just been taking bad hacks, bad approaches at the plate. But you also, you know, it still felt like this team has been kind of in spring training mode all over the place, not just the offense, but... The defense a little bit to a degree. Ozzy has missed some plays that normally he would make. You got um, the bullpen not being as sharp as they normally are for the most part, even though some guys have been sharp. But it's been a frustrating start to the year, Adam. Team still looks like they're sleepwalking, even though they swept that doubleheader yesterday. Not totally encouraged with what I've seen so far, but I'm not worried either because we know the caliber of players we have on this team. We know this is a very tight, tightly knit clubhouse. You know they're not going to panic. They've been here before. They know how to win. Just a matter of putting it all together. And I still have absolute faith that they're going to do that. Anyone who's having doom or gloom fantasy thoughts about this right now just needs to just take a step back, realize the team that we're dealing with here, and try to be as objective as possible. Because this is still a great team. They're going to put it together and help. They just they just won a series. So, you know, let's see how the, the, the rest of April plays out before we start freaking the fuck out about where the Braves are at right now. Yeah, I think... Braves fans are in okay spirits after yesterday. Like, sweeping that doubleheader against the Nationals was just massive. Because let, let's talk Phillies series first. Yeah, yeah. Freed through well in game one. He did. Morton 
through pretty well through, like, for the most four part. and two thirds innings. Basically. But like, yeah, you see what you have in Charlie Morton. Yeah, yeah, you like, don't, you're not upset by that effort. And then Smiley was game three, correct? Yeah, and even though he wasn't, you know, he still gave up some, a couple of hard hit balls. Um, still struck out eight guys. Still only gave up two earned runs. And overall looked pretty decent. Had you know solid velocity on his fastball for a guy like him. The hook was working. You know he was fine. And your boy Huascar Yanoa. Sorry, I know I jumped forward to the National Series, but damn man alive, he made he made a case for staying with the big league squad with uh, whatever AA and Snicker want to do with the roster. But I was thoroughly impressed with his effort yesterday, outdueling Steven Strasburg. To be accurate, it wasn't Smiley that threw Game Three. Ian Anderson threw Game Three. Oh, Smiley was the first game against the Nationals. It was the first game against the Nationals, right? Either so, way, Smiley looked looked okay. Yeah, he looks fine. So, point is, until the Freed start, we like all those guys went five plus inning. We can see that starting pitching is going to be a strength, and bullpen was pretty good for the most part. It's, it's not like we it was like the Phillies series two years ago. We just got like. Buzzsawed, right? And we also blow out games. We like, didn't. We didn't have our good starters going. Right. So you you can understand like the offense kind of being in spring training mode for a little bit. So the bats woke up in Washington as we saw, and as you were saying, Waskar, that was a huge early season start. He was only supposed to go, I think, two innings or something, and he went five, uh, five or six. I can't remember exactly. Five, five innings, sixty-eight pitches. Yeah. Pretty much went pitch for pitch. With the great Steven Strasburg. Yeah, I think he out. I think he pitched better than Strasburg. There was more to me, and I was, you know, the unfortunate part about yesterday's games was during work, so it was like I was watching, but I wasn't, you know, I couldn't like be fully dialed in watching every pitch and analyzing scenarios and stuff like that. But I swear to God, I mean, like I, I after the first two innings, I was like, this guy's got it. He's on cruise control. Looks really fucking good. Commanding his pitches. His curveball. Or off, I don't know what his breaking pitch slider. is. Is it a slider? Yeah. It looks like a it looks like a slurve. It's it looks, tight. It looks it's like, very tight. Yeah. It looks like a combination of a curveball and a slider with the way it moves, like the, the, the slurve, as I mentioned. But whatever the hell that thing is, was moving, man. It was really. It looks vastly improved from last year. Good, good pep on his fastball too, and just I mean, I'm not saying you give the guy another turn in the rotation or anything like that, but. Maybe you do. I don't know. Like, I mean, we've talked about how Snickers said, like, this is not going to be a traditional five-man rotation. There are going to be times when the guys take a start off or maybe two starts off. He's the guy you plug in there. He's earned that spot so far, for sure, in terms of being, like, the first replacement pitcher, solely based on this performance. Dave O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty had a great conversation about him today. Mm. So I'm not going to pretend this is my original thought. Right. But just the fact that, like, if Yanoa were a first-round draft pick for the Braves— Mm-hmm. People wouldn't stop talking about this, but no. about him, like mm-hmm. like he looks better than a Kyle Wright has ever looked, yes, or a Bryce Wilson except for that one game because he competes. Like Noah's first time out there, this guy's competing. He's not scared. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have like the Sean Newcomb or Fulty like mental like just looking scared out there. Yeah, like that. That's what. The first time I saw him pitch, I was like, dude, this guy. Yeah, he's not scared. Good mental makeup. I remember there's a game when he pitched. Uh, last year where it was very much a kind of spot start sort of thing. You know, our, our rotation was in shambles last year. There's no secret to anybody. He was pitching. He gave it like four runs over like five innings. Same mental makeup. You wouldn't you wouldn't know the difference between if he was giving up ten runs or if he was pitching a shutout. I mean, yeah, the, the guy is, is razor sharp in terms of his mental strength. 
And I think not that to mention really, he throws ninety eight. <laughs> yes, and I think and he's and his like I said that off speed slider or slur whatever the hell it is looks great. So it's like he's a guy that could factor in potentially into your plans this year. Um, I, I look forward to seeing what else he can do. I want to talk about the elephant in my mind, Adam. Maybe not the elephant in the room, but the elephant in my mind of Luke Jackson. Heart attack city with this guy yesterday pitching against the Nationals in that 2 nothing victory. Isn't that every Luke Jackson appearance? Yes. Walks two guys, gets out of it. He has a 0-0 ERA, but his whip is 2.25. And for those that don't remember what whip is, it's walks and hits, burnings pitched. That is a horrible whip. It is an atrocious whip, particularly for a reliever. So, once again, Luke Jackson is what he is. Can we please bring up Jacob Webb and stop the charade? And we keep seeing Luke Jackson so far and through his first six games. Well, the Phillies game, he wasn't really pitching a high-leverage situation, but the, the Nationals game, he was. And I just I don't want to see that anymore. Can we please stop this experiment? I don't really give a shit if Luke Jackson goes somewhere and becomes an ace pitcher. Jacob Webb has been fantastic. Please bring him up. What if Luke Jackson has like a sub three ERA with a super high whip, and that's just who he is as a pitcher? But eventually, one of these days, Adam, and we've seen it with Luke, when you have a high whip, it will bite you in the ass at some point. The hits, the walks, everything. Last year was really, 2020 was really the only year it got away from him. Like, normally, he's always done this with the walks and getting himself into jams, but he gets out of them. But it's that's, not, that's, but eventually like it's, it's painful it, to watch. It, it catches up with you. And it caught up with him in 2019 after he had that, the you know, month and a half, two months of great performance. We saw how dog shit he was near the end of the season, how dog shit he was during the postseason. We'll see how dog shit he is during this year. If he keeps pitching in high leverage situations. Well, yesterday we didn't have many options. No. In the second game of doubleheader. Partic- like, per- yeah, particularly when Friedel goes two innings. Like, who could have ever imagined the three pitchers in a shutout? Granted, seven inning shutout. Right. But thank God for those seven inning games. fucking rule, Dude, man. we needed it so much yesterday. I hate it. We would have been screwed. Hate like, it. With Freed only going hate. two. Oh, Graham, that's not productive conversation to just say hate. I understand you hate it. <laughs> Everyone in the world understands you hate it. Like, that, that, like you're like a six-year-old crying about it I over am. there. <laughs> but do you not admit that for the Braves yesterday, that was huge? Yeah, it was beneficial, sure. Like, that was supposed to, the second game was supposed to be the bullpen game, but the first game really was with Friedel only going two innings. Mm-hmm. But to have Yanoa, Luke Jackson, and then Sean Newcomb closing out the game, who had that? With Pablo Sandoval being the hero. Again. Like, he hits a two-run bomb on opening day and then hits a two-run bomb in the game yesterday to give the Braves a 2 nothing lead. He's been clutch, man. He looks down. I'm telling you, his approach at the plate is great. He's Both of those at-bats, he worked the count like crazy. Saw at least six pitches. Professional hitter. Yeah, like he, he has justified this move by the front office and Snicker to, to put him on the roster. Yeah, it's not often your decision immediately looks genius. Like right, this. and let's hope that this obviously – we can't expect a two-run homer every time he comes up to the plate, but let's hope he continues to come come up big. And we talked about this during the season preview last week. How his last full season in the major leagues, he had a five hundred, five hundred plus slugging percentage. He still has some power, and he's proven it so far this season. And from all accounts, he's just been a great clubhouse guy as well. Yeah, like fits right in with everything that we had going before he came in last year. And remember the story during the playoffs where he's like getting up dancing on a table just like keeping everyone loose yeah because he's been there he's mm-hmm. won three world series yeah 
So to have a guy like that taking on a bench role and just like showing the younger guys, hey, it's okay to be a pinch hitter, a bench player, because it's about the team. Yeah. No. And I think that's something that speaks to the entire roster and why this this is and there's a great article David O'Brien wrote, once again referenced DOB and the Athletic about just the, the makeup of this this roster and how there you know, after the losing four game losing streak, there's no one calling each other out off the record. There's no back talk, there's no he said, she said, I blame this person for us losing you know, any of that stuff. It's like belief in what they're trying to do and Anthopoulos also talks about in the article how much he puts stock into clubhouse chemistry now he was saying that in the year before I think the Blue Jays went to the ALCS he was like we won 83 games we were decent but we weren't good enough and I remember watching the Orioles when they won the division that year celebrating our field and Adam Jones Orioles center fielder was carrying this Orioles flag all around the field and everybody was just like loving it and i was like holy shit he didn't say holy shit i'm i'm paraphrasing him here but he was like clubhouse chemistry mattered he went out and and got people that would produce clubhouse chemistry not just that would perform in the field and that led the partially led the blue jays to winning the division that year and facing the royals in the alcs so he's taken that attitude from toronto and and put it into atlanta and the braves have always had a good clubhouse i don't think you ever hear about the braves having a shitty clubhouse or if there is a clubhouse cancer or something like that. I was thinking about B.J. Upton. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, you got B.J. Upton with his bad attitude, but think about that. That 2013 team still won the division and went to the playoffs, so it's like they still performed pretty well. It's right. like the Braves have always been able to make the clubhouse work, but the good news is is that now we're seeing results. We got to the NLCS last year. That's the reason why we shouldn't worry about the slow start. They're going to get it together. And when we saw the Braves hit four home runs against Max Scherzer, granted they were all solo home runs, <laughs> The offense is starting to wake up. Even Ozzie Albies, who went 0 for 16, woke up in that game yesterday, that second game against the against the Nationals. Nancy Swanson got a, a big base hit late in the game that set up the Pablo Sandoval home run. He did that with two outs. It's going to be fine. We're going to be good. We're, we, this is a damn good team. How about Ronnie, man? He's locked in. Oh, yeah. He's made some adjustments that he's excited about. He's lost weight. He's even faster than he used to be on the base paths. Yeah, like, two two stolen bases, I think, in this series right. against the Nationals. Like, he, 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 lo- he looks in midseason form already, and like like Ozzy's been bad so far. Um, Freddie hasn't done a ton. No. Azuna hasn't done much of anything. Uh, Ozuna got robbed on that opening day. There was a big hit he had down the line that bomb the third baseman of Philly caught. And if he misses, if you know, if he misses that, then, I mean, it was a laser. I mean, I don't know what the bat speed or the exit velocity off that thing was, but he crushed it. And it was just a good defensive play. Well, I think it was, Ozuna's close. Ozuna's made good contact. It's just been at people. I think Ozuna will be fine. Well, that was the thing in that Philly series. Like, we were hitting the ball everywhere. Yeah. And it's just right at them. Yeah. And they're dinking it everywhere and finding the – the whole so yeah. over 162 game season that's going to happen. I would rather it'll, it'll even out. I would rather guys be crushing the ball and it's going right towards people. Austin Riley's had that issue too, a little bit. Apparently his batting average in balls in play is really low right now, so I'm expecting him to start turning it up. I would rather guys be crushing the ball and it's an out now as opposed to being oh we're finding some CNI singles but the contact sucks. It's like Josh Donaldson in 2019 where the first month and a half he was. What do they call it? Babbitt? Yeah, the batting average of the balls in play. Was yeah. super high, but it was right at people. And he's like, look, this is going to turn around. And then yeah. we know what happened after that. Right. 
Right. And I, yeah, I think we're going to be fine. And think about it too, the Phillies series, you know, I mean, in the Nationals, the first mm-hmm. game we lost against the Nationals, I mean, I think we lost four games by one run. So it's not like we were uncompetitive or anything like that. No. And we weren't even playing that well. One thing that is kind of pissing me off about this team that I've noticed so far, and once again, early in the season, but it kind of goes back to that Dodgers series where it was frustrating me a little bit. Pitch selection isn't great sometimes in terms of working the count offensively. Weren't grinding out a lot of bats, being really aggressive. Really aggressive. And I'm for aggressive... um, you know, an aggressive approach at the plate, but at, 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 you got to also be able to work the count and know the situation. It feels like this is so far a little bit of a free swinging team. And that can, we saw it with how we lost to the Dodgers last year. That can kill you. That's just who we are. I know, but it's like, we got to work in some more plate discipline. I feel like Freddie can, you know, sometimes Freddie is also very, a very aggressive swinger, but not too many guys are, are seeing a lot of pitches. I mean, you constantly saw when we were, in these games with the Phillies and the Nationals, you know, the opposing star, you know, it'd be in the fifth inning and the opposing star is thrown 62 pitches or something. It's just not enough. Right. Got to work the count some more. I really hope we are able to do that. I mean, that's how the fucking Dodgers beat us last year. They worked the hell out of the count and found their pitch and fought off pitches and laid off stuff that was borderline. We are very free swinging overall as a team. Some guys are better than others, but we are way too free, free swinging right now to me. Well, you can kind of see... The lineup's certainly not as deep without a DH as we kind of knew it would be. Yeah. Especially with when you get down to Pache. Pache. Yeah. He almost did that huge home run on Tuesday. Mm. Did you see that? Did I see that? So it was like the eighth inning of a tie ball game would have given us a lead. Oh, yeah, against the Nationals. So I was yeah. listening to that on the radio, mm-hmm. and I don't understand how there's not a camera angle in the stadium that can see the line. Because it was foul. It looked foul to me okay. when, I, when I saw it. Like initially when he was rounding the bases, I was like, what the hell was I had it on mute, so I wasn't, you know, I, I don't like Chip and Jeff that much, especially Chip, but I was like, clearly that was a foul ball. And he was round the bases like this is bullshit, they'll review it and reverse it. And they did. And it looked it looked foul. I didn't hear any analysis on it, but it looked foul. But that was tough, man, for Pache. Like he does that, rounds the bases, getting high fives in the dugout. And then next thing you know, they overturn it, and he's back in the box. Well, I, I blame the umpire. Time. It's like, I mean, or whoever was making the call, I guess the guy on the third baseline. But, I mean, it was – I mean, here I am sitting at home on the couch, um, you know, watching the game. But it, it was very clear it was foul to me. But it's good to see that he's still got that in him. Like, Oh, yeah. I think he, he's going to be okay. And he's played good defense, and that's fine. What about Ender getting in there and getting a big double? In his first start. That should have been a caught ball, BT dubs, in that start. Oh, okay. Yeah, Robles just misplayed it. I mean, he did stroke it, but that would have that should have been an out. It wasn't like clear double in the gap, line drive, or anything like that. But it's more than anyone else on the team was doing all day. I guess. It, at least it shows that Ender is still... No, it doesn't. Like One at bat does not make a player. No, but he, he's capable of hitting the ball. Can you give me that one? He's capable of hitting the ball with like an 85-mile-an-hour exit velocity on average. That's what he's fucking capable of. I saw him way too much pinch hitting. We have got to expand the bench. And I know we signed Orlando Arcia, but, uh, who is a player from the Brewers. Traded for him. Or we traded for him, excuse me. I know you know nothing about Orlando Arcia. I know enough. I know that he's just a, a very he's – a de- he's a solid, above-average glove who can't hit worth a shit pretty much. He's hit 15 home runs in a year. Like he has a 
total in six years of two wars. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, we're not bringing him in to start, but I do think it's interesting that we made that deal so early in the year. But why he, he is a less... Here, here's the Sky report I have on Arcia. He's a less versatile, diverse Adrianza. He's better at playing backup shortstop than Adrianza in terms of defensive metrics. But in terms of what he can give you on other positions, he's not as good. And their they're, they're hitting's about on par with each other. Maybe he's a slightly better hitter. Doesn't make sense to me if Adrianza is the guy who won the job at a spring train to bring Arcia in at this point. I don't, I don't get it. Arcia has a much better... I mean, this guy started 58 out of 60 games last year for a playoff team. He was a top prospect in the league. I understand top prospects fit, flail out. But this guy was a hometown favorite. Like, the people of Milwaukee are sad that they made this trade. Mm. And we gave up Chad Sabaka Fine. and Patrick Weigel. Like, no, I'm, th- that's what I'm saying. This no. this is great. Like, it's an Anthopolis steal. I don't understand at all. Like, Weigel might still have a little potential to be something. But, like, we know what Chad Sabaka is. Yeah. I mean, he has a 3.3 career defensive war, which is, which is very good. It's above average. But what does this mean for Adrianza? It just gives us a lot more depth than what we had. Like, RC is a definite upgrade over Camargo. Our bench is going to expand beyond four players right. soon. So, I, I mean, I think it's a great deal. Yeah, I'd just rather have someone else who can come off the bench that can provide more offensively, personally. If Adrianza is already an above-average defender, why get another above-average defender who can't hit as that, that well? Why not try to make a move for a guy that can, you know, when you maybe – don't want to go with Panda early in a game, but you can also get another power bat off there. Who would you rather get, Ender Inciarte or someone else you can bring in here and actually provide some thump? Well, it's a very low-leverage deal, and we made it. It's just very interesting to make a move on the third day of the season. Yeah, it's not something you see every day. I just think the the, the right move, in my opinion, would be try to get someone in here who could who could hit the ball. Well, that I mean, that's... That's a dumb thing to say. It's not. Well, it, RC is not a good hitter. You're getting another Adrianza at the end of the day, Adam. Can't it, you see how how this is not shaping it, up to make a more complete roster? Well, a I think you're giving Adrianza like way too much credit for having a good spring, and like I'm just saying, you already have a very similar player. To, you're bringing in a similar player to Adrianza who has a better overall defensive WAR at shortstop. Their ability to hit the ball. It's pretty damn but Graham, similar. if you want to, so what, what What did you say? Go get somebody who can hit the ball. You have to give up a lot more than Chad Sabaka and Patrick Weigel. Yeah, maybe. So, but but th- this is diversify a- your bench. Your bench is shit. If your first, if your second option is endurance yards off the bench, your bench fucking RC sucks. can play the outfield, too. But he can't hit that well. He's, He's a good he defender. He's better but, than Adrianza. That's fine, but it's still not enough. Like, give me someone who has a similar kind of approach. That's I know that's like, you know, pull something out of your ass but i'm just saying i would rather have brought someone in here who has more thump in his bat than rc we're going in circles here we're beating this there's no more horse the corpse has been obliterated i want to talk about will smith for a second homeboy had a good opening appearance against the phillies has not looked as sharp cause for concern on your end for will smith no no you still feel like he's the guy yeah i mean he's he's got that just you know a closer when you see him. Mm-hmm. He gets mad out there. Mm. And he got the job done the second game. It was ugly. Sure. But he got the job done. Yeah. And like his stuff's nasty. And he started off slow last year as well. So I'm not worried about him at all. I'm I, worried about not having the depth of a Chris Martin who got injured yeah, the first week. Yeah. So that sucks. Yeah. But the Sean Newcomb thing is interesting. 
The way Nukem looked yesterday. Are you are you one of those classic overreactors who, after one appearance, is like, "Oh, they shot!" Oh my no, god. No, I've I've always been a Sean Nukem reliever guy. I know you were you were ever since twenty nineteen preaching the word last last week actually. Yeah, like that guy. I mean, he's got the stuff, and he had a different look to him yesterday. Like, given the opportunity to close, like that's a snit move. It's like let's show this guy that we believe in him. I think it was also just. You didn't have many other options. Exactly. You had Jacob Webb out there. and you don't have Jacob Webb. Well, he was out there in the doubleheader yesterday. Well, yeah. He was the 27th man. Well, yeah. I know. He was warming up in the bullpen. You yes. could have gone with Jacob Webb. You could have gone with Jacob Webb, which uh, I would have approved of probably over Newcomb in that scenario. But Newcomb looked really good. Touching 99 with his fastball. Struck out the side. I did watch every single pitch of Newcomb's uh, appearance yesterday. He was just overpowering people. Sweet Jesus. It was like no one could touch. Like he was, he also just talk about what you were just saying with Will Smith in terms of getting angry and stuff like that. There was a fire. There was a presence to Sean Newcomb yesterday that I had not seen in quite some time. I was like, I was blown away by what I saw. I'm not saying he's going to be the new closer or the new setup man or whatever. But for one day at least, he looked like an absolute beast. And hopefully he can build off that. Any Anything else on the Braves? No. Play the Phillies this weekend. We, we face Wheeler once, and I think we face some guys who aren't very good, like Moore, and there's some other loser I don't remember. Elfin, who's solid, or Eflin. I can't remember his name. I saw we faced, like, four starters that are, like, top 15 starters in the MLB yeah. already. Like, yeah. And I, that's how it's going to be in the NL East. But, like, we're going to face some guys that aren't aces. Yes, and, I, and that'll happen this week. Two out of three times. I mean, Wheeler, you can argue, as an ace. The other two guys are not. I, I expect us to win the series, take at least two of three, put the put the silly Phillies in their place, and get revenge for last weekend. And to be honest, we kind of got screwed in this Nationals series where the Nationals didn't play their opening series because of COVID concerns. Right. So, so we had to face Strasburg and Scherzer. and Scherzer, where otherwise we wouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, and, and, they still, got, and, yeah. and still won the series. Yes, yes. And a lot of people were saying, I remember I actually listened to sports radio. I had to go to a doctor's appointment. And I listened to sports radio in the morning. I was like, well, let's just try to get you know one of these games today. And I was like, fuck that. Let's win both these games. If you take that loser, I mean, that's just sports radio. It's on the Braves taking that opinion. But you know, I know that's always a thing. It's like, well, you got to just try and split with the double It's like, no, we need... I know it's early in the season. And even if we were 0-6, I'd probably still feel the same way about like, you know, it'll be okay. We're okay. But... There was also a part of me that was like, we need to show some life in these games. We need to win these games. Go out and beat these assholes today. Yeah, going into your home opener 0-6 would have been yeah, rough. Not not a great look. Yeah, these damn Phillies are 5-1 and one now, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad we get another shot at them. So yeah, early. no, we can take them down, especially with the guys that are pitching this So weekend. I think we got Morton, Anderson, Smiley lined up yeah, to go. Yeah, I think we'll be fine. I think, like I said, I predict two, at least winning two or three. If not sweeping, we're, God, winning, I, we're winning that fucking series. I just love. I want to make sure we're not taking for granted that all those starters, minus Freed, start win win at least five innings. Multiple guys went six. Like, do you remember where we were last year? People were pitching three innings. Where Freed was our only real starter. Yeah, it was awful. What was that piece of shit we traded for from um, the but Orioles? Robbie Erlin. No, no, there's another guy. No, so. Robbie Erlin was actually a lot better than this guy. Uh, no, it was he like sucked too. Hunter though. or something. Hunter Mayfield. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Plain, Daniel Plainview. I can't remember who it was, but 
Yeah, I know you're talking about. The guy was was pathetic. The lefty that threw like 86. Yeah, he was a Reagan era pitcher. It was just embarrassing. <laughs> He's throwing to Bob Horner out there. Jesus. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was. Yeah, our, our rotation's in a much better. Sure, spot. a lot of users are going crazy because they probably know who this guy was. And yeah, it's just a simple. Like, you idiots! It's a. Yeah. <laughs> That's a dumb thing That's to say. A dumb thing to it's say. It's a simple losers. thing that we we could Google, but we're not gonna. That no. guy's out of our. Mind. Have to be like former Orioles pitcher who went to Braves and trade 2020. And I'm sure it would come up, but, you know, fuck yeah, it. No. Yeah. Um, not worth our time. All right. Uh, moving on from that, I think there's not really much else to talk with the Braves. As we mentioned, big series against the Phillies this weekend. Let's take these bastards down. Let's sweep this thing. Or at least one, two, or three. All right, Graham. Let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Ooh, Mr. Hawk. You're here? Nice. The Hawks, Graham, survived. The brutal West Coast trip that we've been talking about for, like, weeks. They came out 4-4, four and four, which was pretty fantastic in my eyes. They ended the trip, uh, what, a win in San Antonio and then a win in New Orleans, which is awesome. So that, that kept us around 500 and then is back home. And despite losing John Collins, we've still, what, we're 1-1 one one on the homestand now? Yeah, and uh, I think in fourth place in the East overall. And... Shot the lights out against the Pelicans the other night. The team went 11 for 11, three-point range solely in the quarter. Uh, Lou Williams is fitting in well, and I know they got blown out by Memphis last night. I actually watched that game. They looked good for a half and then just sort of fell apart, but I think you know a lot of that, you don't have John Collins, you don't have Clint Capella. It's hard to, to win with the way this team is constructed without those guys. Those are, the, those are the guys that hold the glue together on defense in particular. We're missing like four of our best six players. Yeah, and DeAndre Hunter's out. Yeah, and Cam Reddish is still out. Cam Reddish, it's is ridiculous. Out. Yeah, I think we might see a Chris Dunn sighting this week, which would be fitting. We play the Bulls, his old team, tomorrow night. Maybe that'll be his appearance. Mm. But still, like, we're still so deep, Graham, and Sweet Lou Williams is fitting in pretty well. Yeah, I've I really liked what I've I've seen from him getting. I think 19 points in that uh, game against the Warriors. Or not the Warriors, sorry. That game against the New Orleans. That was at home. And, um, yeah, and the, the schedule gets a little easier. Face Chicago. We face Charlotte. Charlotte's also a playoff team right now. Toronto comes up. Milwaukee, who has been good all year. So, I mean, the good news is, is that a lot of those games will at least be at home. You know, um, the Bulls game, the Bucks game, Pacers, Magic are all at home. We also go on the road to face Charlotte, which isn't a bad road trip. Toronto is also in Florida. So they, they play in Florida, so it's not the end of the world. Uh, they're playing in Florida this year. Um, I'm more concerned about Clint Capella's Achilles soreness and what's going on with DeAndre Hunter. You know, we talked a lot about DeAndre Hunter last week with his, uh, you know, is it a meniscus? Is it a oh, God. bone bruise? No, don't get into that, Dr. I know, Graham. I'm just saying, though, but like, what else is going on with, with, with um, DAH right now? I have no idea. He had another non-surgical procedure on his knee. So where does that put him? When is he going to come back? No one really knows. It's um, certainly concerning. But I'd say Bogdan is really feeling his flow right now, and it's fine. I just think if we're going to win a playoff series... We can win a playoff series, I think, without DeAndre. We cannot win a playoff series without John and Capella or Capella. Yeah, I think both those guys have to be instilled in the lineup for us to be able to compete in the postseason. Yeah, in that game last night, we were actually competing. This is the game against Memphis. We lost 131-113. 
and we were competing in the first half pretty good. Yeah, I think we shot eight of twelve from three in the third in the second quarter. So, but we were just getting killed on the inside. Yeah, and I uh, think Akongwu was our starting center for that game. Yeah, I think both Knight and Akongwu did their best. They're going up against a beast in Valanciunas. We know Valanciunas from Toronto, how good he was there. You know, he pretty much owned them inside. But they tried their asses off. Okongwu also had 11 points, I think, in the first half. He's he's getting a lot better. Yeah. He, he's got his feet under him now. He had that. I mean, he didn't get a summer league. He was hurt for the beginning of the regular season. Yeah. But, like, he, he's starting to look like he's knowing what he's doing a little bit. Yeah, and he was aggressive on the glass. Something I really liked seeing last night was a couple of tip-ins off, off missed shots on the offensive glass. Um, just seeing little things from him that we haven't seen so far. He's doing the He's doing the dirty work inside, looking better. Obviously, still very much a work in progress, but we're seeing signs of life where, at one point, there was <laughs> there was nothing. And and I know there was a lot of those issues that you talked about. No, no summer league, you know, everything was, was screwed up with COVID. But we hadn't seen really much to be like, oh, yeah, we can really justify this pick. And I'm not saying last night's performance justifies it. I'm just saying we are seeing signs of life now, which is encouraging. Yeah, obviously, you want him on your second unit, though. But I want to go back to Bogdan. Mm-hmm. His last six games, here's his point totals. 22, 28, 26, 10, 21, and 24. Excellent. So this is the guy. Oh, we're also missing Gallinari. That's another guy we're missing. Oh, Gallinari was out? Yeah. Good Lord. That's another guy missing last night. Sorry, I just thought of that. But yeah, Bogdan has certainly picked up the slack. So I, have been out. I think you owe the Schlenk an apology, Graham. For Bogdan? You... Like a month ago, you said that Vince Carter is the best free agent signing that the Schlenk has ever had. Uh, to that point, yes. Yeah, that, that, that's the point. I think you need to apologize to him. Yeah, I want and apo- him and Gallinari. I want to apologize for it because at that point it was true. At this point, it is not. I think both Gallinari and Bogdan have shown their worth so far, even though it, it took them a minute, but. Yeah, I won't apologize for what I said. You won't apologize? No, because at the time it was true. Even though they were injured? Yes, because at the time it was true. We hadn't seen great performances from these guys. Whether, you know, Especially Bogdan right now is really getting consistent. Gallinari was starting to really let it rip before he got hurt. So yeah, at this point, I knew that wasn't going to last in terms of Vince Carter being the best free agent that Schlenk had signed. But at, at, at that point, when we talked, you bet your ass he was. And I will not apologize. I don't think that's how sightings work. So, like, we, it, what, we uh, sign a guy for four years. So, and, I, have, I say something <laughs> fucking two months ago, and now you bring it up again and say, oh, now you got to apologize. Because a, a signing means you sign this guy for four years. I know, you, but... You have to look at the whole world. You have to look at the present. At the present, that was the truth. So, if Bogdan has a bad game tomorrow... No. Vince is back up to the best no, signing? No, no, no. Not at all. So, did you look... Graham, did you compare Vince through his first, like, six games with the Hawks to Bogdan with his first six games with the I'm Hawks? I'm just saying, through two years of Vince Carter, he was probably the best free agent that we so had So you signed. give Vince two years, but you only give Bogdan because six games. No, the jury was out. The jury is not out on Vince Carter because he is retired. The jury was out on Bogdan and Gallinari. How am I going to say anything when they haven't played that well or haven't played at all due to injury? So say this year he had signed the, the same age Vince Carter... At the same time, he signed Bogdan. And Bogdan was better than Vince six games in. So is Bogdan the better signing there? 
I'm just trying to get your mindset out. So here's my mindset. I'll explain it one more time for you. I want you to really listen. In February or January, whenever we said this, or I said this, not you. At that point, Vince Carter was probably the best free agent signing we that Schlenk had had made. Because you were looking back in hindsight on his full two years. Yes. Okay. And I was not saying that any of the guys that he had signed this year were dog shit or anything like that. It was just at that point in time in Schlenk's tenure, to me, Vince Carter was probably the best free agent signing, not just because of his output on the court, which wasn't like amazing or anything, but also because of, of being a, a veteran leader on the court. I wasn't saying in perpetuity forever or anything like that. I'm just saying to that point, from what I've seen from all the free agent signings that have come through here, he was the best at that point in time. Okay, so so you're not a big picture guy. I'm a big picture guy, but in that moment, I was saying at this present time, in January or February, whenever that was of 2020, probably January, Vince, because that's when we were really struggling, Vince was the best. We're getting in the weeds here, but I, I think Rondo provided the same exact veteran presence. And I better, think Vince and better made play. more big impact plays, though. Like when he was 40-year-old ass was dunking over people every once in a while and making clutch three-pointers. Every once in a while over two years. Yeah, I would take that over what Rondo... You were the anti-Rondo guy. I am anti-Rondo. Yeah, but, so what the but, hell are you doing? But the schlink turned the Rondo free agent signing into Lou Williams. Yeah, and Lou's been, so, Lou's been really good. In for my mind, the Rondo signing is better because you get Lou Williams out of it. I can see that opinion. You're not getting Lou Williams for Vince Carter. But if you compare what Rondo did on the court versus Vince, I would think you would agree that Vince provided not only the veteran shit, but also actual production on the court more so than Rondo did. Uh, yeah, yeah, Rondo sucked except for like three games. Yeah, so. You know, I, I just like to hold you accountable for things. That's, that's fine. If, if you can, can remember, can talk about this stuff. like I say a lot of things as well. Sure. I was about to call them dumb things, but then I'd be calling... Yourself your, dumb. <laughs> no, I was going to be calling your oh, statement dumb okay, again, and I didn't want to do that. That's oh, just, sure, that's sure. just rude. We're better yeah, than that. Yeah, right, right. We're better than that. Well, let's talk about Nate McMillan. What's he, 15-6 and six overall, including those two games he filled in for Lloyd Pierce? Something like that? Somewhere in the ball. Well above 500. This team just plays better under Coach McMillan than Coach Pierce. I don't think – I think the track record is large enough. We've had a, you know, had a big, big win streak. What was it, seven or eight games in there too as well? Eight games. Eight games. Yeah, I mean, you just – I th- like – so here's my question to you. I think you got to see how the rest of the season plays out. But, you know, if we – well, actually, no, I won't say that. What do you want to do right now with Nate McMillan? Gun to your head, someone says you got to make a decision about him. Are you going to open the coaching search up in the regular season, or are you going to say he gets the job? Well, if we're thinking small picture like Vince Carter in that moment <laughs> type thoughts, like if you're saying right now, what do you do, Adam? Mm-hmm. I'm – yeah, there's a gun to your head. So yeah, what do, what do you I'm do giving right him now? a contract. Okay, yeah. But, you know, I'm, I like to think big picture, oh, yeah. which which I know the Schlenk does as well. Uh-huh. And you got to see how the season plays out, see what we do in the playoffs yes. as well. Like, yes. that's what you want to see. I would agree with if that. If we show something big in the playoffs, and I, I think this McMillan thing is going to be a snitker situation where, you know, players are going to be lobbying for him mm-hmm. to stay. Mm-hmm. And if that happens with McMillan, especially if your stars 
are lobbying for the coach to stay. And he had success and like improved. It's pretty much the exact same situation. That team snit took over was garbage and we showed heart and fight at the end. And we were really bad <laughs> under yeah. Pierce for like, I, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Like I was just trying to see when McMillan took over and I saw four straight losses. I was like, okay, that's the end of the Lloyd Pierce era. And then eight straight wins. It's like, okay, that's the beginning of the McMillan era. Right. Like th- there, there's something to that. So gun to my head, Graham, Nate's our guy. Give yeah. him a two year deal, two year right. deal. Okay. What do you think about, let's say we had the same injury situation. We're missing Gallinari, we're missing DeAndre, missing JC, missing Capella. And let's say we go to the playoffs and lose in the first round, but the team is trying. Would you still say he should be the coach? I mean, unless there's like, I don't know who else would be out there right. that would be a better option than him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't, we're not going to do another project coach. No. You got to go with someone proven, knows how to win in the NBA. Like, it's shown that these young guys respect that. And, you know, I mean, if this if these injuries are like that, I'll still go with them. Right. Yeah, I would agree. I think... Like, we haven't seen this team healthy once all year. It's crazy. Yeah, it really is. And I think, unless there's some colossal, just absolute CF of just beyond anything we can imagine of this team just, like, losing, like, 18 games in a row or something down the stretch or whatever many games are left... I think you got to make him the the full time coach. Yeah, I don't think you're going to find anyone out there. Because think about this: if you bring in another coach, you have to build up a whole new system. You get all of these new assistants. You get all, you know, it's it's just like we got to have some stability with these young guys, you know, and 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 we also have to get results. And so far, Coach McMillan has gotten a lot of results out of this young squad through a lot of adversity, a lot of injuries. He's got to be your guy. You're going to have to, if you bring in someone else, this isn't a situation, I don't think, where it's like Mark Jackson with the Golden State, you know, when he was coaching Golden State in the early days of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, where it was like they were decent, but they didn't take that next step until Steve Kerr came in. This isn't that situation. This team is still trying to find their way, and McMillan is helping them do that, more so than Lloyd Pierce, I think, ever did. Maybe that's a little hyperbolic. Because I think you've got to give Lloyd some credit for the development of some of these guys because it's under his stewardship. But we are seeing results in the court at a high level for the first time in a long time with this franchise. Yeah, I mean, it would literally have to be like a Steve Kerr wants to come to Atlanta or a Doc Rivers. Then so be it. Or like if Coach Bud wants to come back, I would definitely take Coach Bud back. Right. Like that. that's our guy who got away. But, you know, he he didn't want to lose for a few years, so that's fine. Right. It is yeah. what it is. Yeah. And I think McMillan hasn't been a coach in a while. So I think this is probably great for him to get back into the game. And he's proving that he's a leader of men, and especially a leader of young men. The majority of this team is so young, and he's doing a great job. I loved what he said. in So the win against New Orleans, that's where we set the NBA record going 11 for 11 from threes in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And he was being asked about it, and all he was talking about was how terrible the defense was in the first half. <laughs> and like he was so happy the defense was a lot better in the second half. That's a sign of a good coach. Yeah, it's like eleven yeah, eleven didn't feel like it, but our defense was a lot better. Right. Like that that's what these young guys need to hear. Like Well, it's this thing of like, you know, of having someone who is in charge who can separate you isn't all sunshine lollipops, even when things are going well. Is so important as a leader of an organization, leader as a coach, leader as whatever the fuck. You know, you've got to have someone who can come in here and say, 
yeah, that was good, but this isn't. And we got to improve that. And that and that is 100% nail on the head right there. Yeah, so Hawks sitting in the fourth place, I believe, still. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- things are promising. We, we want to stay in that area. We don't want to – they've got this play-in shit this year. Don't want to mess with We that. don't want to deal with that. Let's stay right around four, hopefully, um, and see what happens. So yeah. it, it's a good place to be here on April 8th watching the Braves, caring about the Hawks still. Yeah. It's nice to be caring about the Hawks in, in April again for the first time in like five years, like four or five years. When the Braves were 0-4 yesterday or two days ago, I was like, oh, I got a Hawks game to watch tonight. Mm-hmm. Very fair. Yes, yes. All right, Adam, let's wrap it up with these silly Falcons. There's a big report coming out of ESPN. Adam Schefter thinks that the Falcons might move from the fourth overall pick. That is just the biggest fucking waste of a story I've ever heard. Of course they're thinking about it. They've been thinking about it since uh, Terry Fontenot took over the general manager's position. We've been thinking about it. We've been thinking. We've talked about it. Yeah. Everyone's acting like this is a revelation. Colin Cowherd was talking about it the other day, like, you know, thinking about, oh, you take a quarterback, uh, even though you got Matt Ryan still, and blah, blah, blah. It's like the rest of the world is finally caught up to where the Falcons are at. And maybe the Sam Darno trade, for those that don't know, Sam Darno was Darnold. Tra- Darnold. I said, I call, it's not Darno. I'm thinking of Travis Darnold. Yeah. Darnold. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> Sam Darnold was, I, I think I mispronounced his name again. I don't care. I'm not going to say it. Darnold. Darnold was traded from the Jets to the Panthers. And the Panthers gave up like three picks, I think, for Darnold. And it's just, and so then that started everybody talking about what can you get from Matt Ryan and all this other shit. So it's just like, it's very frustrating when the rest of the world doesn't know what we're doing and then they act like they are God's gift to man talking about our shit when they don't give a damn about us. Yeah, I'm, I mean... I'm feisty tonight. I, I can't remember who... It was someone on 680 The Fan. I think it was Chuck Chuck Oliver who was just saying, like, look, honestly, most fans, you can just pick them off the street. If, like, you're from Atlanta yeah. and are into sports, yeah. like, we're, we're kind of into Atlanta sports. I would say so. We're going to know more about the city of Atlanta sports than yes. any of these national guys. Yeah, and, and Peter King has said that too, who is a national guy. He's like, I know you probably know more about the team than I do. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So the, the big, I mean, that trade was big because now our number four slot is not as valuable because it's going to be three quarterbacks taken, one, two, three. Yeah. And, you know, Trey Lance is still going to be there at four. Justin Fields might still be there at four. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping, so to me, the bigger thing that came out, I think this was the Mort report. And he's normally pretty in touch with Atlanta sports as well. Oh, he's from here, too. Yeah, I, mean, he, I don't know if he's from here, but he used to live here. He, I mean, he's always on Buck and Kincaid. Yeah, he had. Now Buck and Hutt, I suppose. Right, he had uh, beers at Manuals. My mom said she had drinks with oh, nice. Mort all the time. Okay, so Mort, yeah. Mort's legit. Back in the day. And what Mort came out with this week was that Fontenot mm-hmm. wants to take a quarterback. Arthur Smith does not. Yes, I heard this. Yeah. So that's big. You would have to think something like that that gets leaked is done to confuse people, I hope. Maybe. Maybe. To mystify. I'm of the mindset, I want my GM picking this team. You know, yeah. Arthur Smith gets his say. And, and he knows he can win with Matt Ryan right now. Well, no, we he have all these holes. He thinks that he can. Right. Like, if he can win with Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan gives him a a good option and like then you can get a, a weapon. Yeah. You can take the tight end out of Florida. You could take Pitts. Yeah. Pitts. You can take Pitts. 
which I'm I'm on board with that now, to be honest. A Ooh. lot of people are saying Pitts is like Gronk on crack. And honestly, if you give Pitts in here and if he's that good, I mean, that makes your offense from a position player standpoint pretty great. The problem, though, to me is that you still have, once again, holes in the trenches. I would rather spend all our, not all our draft picks, but the vast majority of the top draft picks in the trenches than Pitts, even though I know he's so good. He's supposed to be so good. It's a tough decision. So I do not envy Terry Fontenot. But I'm okay with Pitts. I'm okay with taking Sewell. I'm okay with trading back. I don't want to. I don't want to take a quarterback. I don't want to. You take can get a quarterback next year. Yeah, I'm. I'm like sure if the, if the top three quarterbacks are already off the board. Yeah, Trey Lance might be fine. I mean, Justin honestly, Fields that, might be fine. That Colin Cowherd thing he said, like just talking, like dropping like actual stats on Matt Ryan compared to the rest of the league. Yeah, and how good he's been still the last four years. Yeah, you know it makes sense and like. He was like, if Trey Lance is even like a very good quarterback, yeah, and we've known this, the odds of him turning into that aren't great. Yeah. So do you really want to draft a guy that's going to sit for the next two no, years? Especially because you just restructured Matt Ryan's deal for him to be the quarterback, and you're building around Matt Ryan for the next three seasons. So, fuck it. So Pitts, Sewell, or we'll trade, trade back. or trade back. Yeah, and do whatever you think will actually make the team be able to win now and in the future. And I would, I am on team trade back. Even though maybe the value, like you're saying, maybe have dropped after the Darnold trade. I do not want to trade with Carolina. I don't think they will because just we got Darnold. But I know a lot of people have been talking about that. Trade with the Broncos. John Elway has been a terrible executive ever since Peyton Manning retired. Trade with him. Fleece him. Get a first-round pick, a second-round pick, a third-round pick for that. Fill out your roster, man, with young, talented players that can take us to the promised land at some point. Here's the thing about Pitts and why he's so intriguing. Graham, these are the last five Super Bowl winners. Tampa Bay. Okay. Gronk. Kansas City. Kelsey. (laughs) New England. Uh, Gronk again. (laughs) Philadelphia. Uh, Earth's so good. New England. Gronk. Yeah. So there's a theme there. Yeah, I mean – the thing is, is that let, let's also remember how Matt Ryan elevated the career of Austin Hooper. He also took Roddy White to the next level. I know Roddy transitioned well that last year, that one year of Joey Harrington, where he really came into his own. But would Roddy White have had the career he had with Joey Harrington? I don't think so. People need to put some respect on Matt Ryan's name. And it shouldn't take Colin Cowherd for anyone to realize that. You know, Colin Cowherd was also the same guy that said that Matt Ryan is just Andy Dalton without the MVP. So, you know. He can also take a short walk off a long pier or whatever the fucking term is. Anyway, you know, his goal is just to make good radio. At the same time, our goal is to win a championship. And you have to ask yourself, what gives us a better chance? And not even just this year, but long term. Is trading back, does that give us more op- opportunities to to hit on, on, on holes that we really need? Or does Kyle Pitts just elevate our offense so much to the point where it's like, this is a freak offense. 2016 levels. Yeah. Is this a freak offense even with Mike Davis as your running back who's solid but not great? And maybe you also draft a good rookie running back in the fourth round. I mean, we could have a, a, a really great offense here God, if, if you draft Kyle Pitts. I have never been more excited for a draft. This is one of the – this is the best Falcons draft. I'm not saying it's going to be the best Falcons draft, but it's the most intriguing Falcons draft since the Matt Ryan draft. Since that 2008 draft. This is exciting. 
and it's happening at the end of this month. April 29th. Yeah. And man alive, we are going to be having um, a lot of discussions around then. It's going to be really fun to see what Fontenot does. And um, I, like I said before, I do not envy the man. Let's hope we hired a good one. Yeah, I think we did. I, I, I trust Fontenot. And let's see what happens. But I think this wraps up this elongated episode of Atlanta Zoom. We want to thank you guys for listening to the show this week. We'll see you all next week. Until then, rise up, chop on. Unite and conquer and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.